Every time I go into uh, TJ Maxx, do you want to open up a TJ Maxx card? No, thank you. Are you sure? If you do it today, you can save 20% on your order. I'm okay. Well, you know, there's also a lot of other better. Fucking just, just take my money. I want to leave. Now, even if I did want it, I'm going to say no. Yeah. Just because you wouldn't stop. Like okay. timeshares. Mm-hmm. When I had my complete mental breakdown in front yeah. of everybody. Because I wasn't going to be beat by them, motherfucker. No. And I beat them. Lawrence Welk can suck my ass. <laughs> did you get Not anything even my out of dick. it? Hmm? Did you get anything out of it? No, I gave my the Angels tickets to Dan and Carl. I didn't get to do my <laughs> wine tasting. And they fucked me on Hawaii. So I actually didn't get to use <laughs> any of the things that I earned. That I worked so hard for. <laughs> What's up, chicks, dicks, and everything in between? I'm Lindsay. I'm Sapita. And you're listening to Two Salty Broads. We've got no idea what we're doing, and we're not experts in anything, but we know a little bit about a lot, and we've got a lot of opinions to back it up. So get ready for our salty surprise. And what is that surprise today, Sapita? It's about how I don't metabolize food anymore. Well, that's not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't no, either. Dude. And so we're talking about food and diets and yeah. metabolisms, I guess. So yeah, let's start at the beginning. When did you realize it all went wrong? <laughs> it's like a Dr. Oz special or something. The moment the clock struck 12 on my 26th birthday and I stumbled home from the bar into my little apartment and I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I'm just going to have a glass of water and go to bed. Little did I know that three days later, when my hungover ass is somehow crawling into work the next morning, that I was not going to be okay. And I never will be okay ever again. I mean, that's a little less realizing you don't metabolize food and a little more an existential crisis, don't you I mean, but that's what it was. It was an existential crisis because it started with alcohol. And then very slowly, it became this thing where I now have a jar of Pepsid above my bed Right before I go to bed, in case I ate anything with too much tomato in it, or if it had too many raw vegetables. This, you know what? This is true. I'll agree with you. I feel like my path was, it's a little different than yours. <laughs> um, I, so we talk about, I feel like I've always kind of had an uphill battle. Me and my metabolism, we've always kind of had a strained relationship. And I was never, as a younger person, I was never like super overweight, but I was never like super skinny naturally either. I was just somewhere in the middle We'll call it healthy, husky, thick. I don't know what, whatever. Um, and I remember in eighth grade, I had my jeans laying on the floor. That's not for weird reasons. It's because we had a, a pageant or a play or whatever, and I had a costume. And there's a kid in my class, and I've de- I've been debating on whether I should call him out. We'll just leave him nameless for now. <laughs> and he picked up my jeans and looked at them and was like, "Wow, Lindsay." I, only a size seven I thought you'd be bigger than that oh, no <laughs> and it was like really flattering and really insulting at the same time like oh thank you for thinking a size seven is small but fuck you for thinking that I was a lot bigger than that and it was very complex and I feel like I've always kind of had that weird relationship with diets and food and metabolisms except for a very very brief beautiful period in uh, upperclassmen high school so junior senior year playing water polo and just working out basically constantly, I ate a psychotic amount of food. I mean, we're talking 
spaghetti portions that are like for three people and it would be fine and I didn't get any bigger and I wish I was as fat back when I thought I was fat you know oh, like yeah yeah <laughs> junior senior year if I could go back to that size it would be heaven mm-hmm. and of course then in college you discover things like alcohol and taco tuesday and wing wednesday and thirsty thursday and french fry friday and all these things and it <laughs> becomes just week after week of being gluttonous and studying and i think by the time i was like a super senior in college i was the head okay let's talk about trauma really quick mm-hmm. this is a good story and it's horrifically traumatizing my super senior year, my last semester of undergraduate, I was in a practices of personal training class. I, my, metabol- my metabolism had slowed down much before you. 26th birthday? No. This was like 2013. So I was in like 23 something. Something. Things yeah. had slowed down considerably. I was taking 18 units and I was stressed. And I was not exercising. That was not a priority. But I was a kinesiology major, so that should have been a priority. And in this practices personal training class, we did this test where people had to do a skin caliper test. And this was like for a grade. And I was one of the only people who had volunteered to do this body scan. So I had the actual body fat percentage like medically derived. Like I had it, the figure. And so... All of these super fit, attractive people had to do skin calipers. If you don't know what that is, it's a a pinch test. It's a glorified pinch test. They pick all the different fatty parts of your body and they pinch them with this machine, this little (laughs) hand thing. And they had to calculate how much uh, my fat content was. And to anybody listening who did the pinch test on me, I'm really sorry, but I cheated. I was flexing like a motherfucker. I was trying... (laughs) Just trying to get you to not pinch fat. So if you got a lower grade because your fat count was wrong and didn't match mine, I'm really sorry. I apologize, but I did what I had to do, you know? (laughs) So I've always had that problem, and I'm really happy that you got a few years of bliss. But the thing is, I didn't. So that's when things went downhill. But I had never been skinny or even, dare I say, fit. Ever. Even as a kid, I was the last one to always finish those fun runs. You know those things that they would make you do? I was always at least a lap behind. And I'm convinced, partially, partially convinced, that those kids were cheating, that they would record an extra lap, and then they would just, like, leave. Do you think everybody was cheating but you? They had to have been. (laughs) There is no reason why I was that not in shape. There's reasons. You probably just don't want to admit what they are. I was a, I was a, okay, I wasn't fat, but I wasn't fit. And, you know, when I was in high school, I did join sports, if you can call color guard a sport, which I do. Sure. You guys are like spinning things and choreography. That's a sport. Yeah. And and you're, you're running for a duration of a show, which is about 10 minutes long. So, I mean, we, we would do these runs over and over again. So I, I was, I wasn't eating unhealthy, but I wasn't eating healthy and I was working out, you know, two, three hours a day. So I, that might've been the fittest that I ever was. And then when I went into college, I think I was just too busy to eat in a lot of those senses. I I'd gained a little bit of weight in grad school, but I was able to quickly lose it. I went back to my normal chubby 135 pound although I did have a guy in grad school look uh talk to me about something he was talking in just in general about how he would never never date a girl that was weighed more than him I was like well how much do you weigh and he's like I weigh 135 pounds and I was like do you even know what that looks like and he's like I mean she's gonna have to be thin and I went 
I'm 135 pounds. And he went, no, you must weigh more than that. I was like, nah, it's just because I'm short. I can get away with more. Or I guess I, I weigh less because I'm small. But, I mean, when you squish it up, it don't look very... Uh, but how did that make yeah. you feel when he was like, nah, you must weigh more than that? <laughs> like, You know, I grew up with a Persian mother, so it didn't hurt that much because I was conditioned from a very young age to, uh, I mean, my, my cousins growing up, they would call them skinny mini, and then they'd look at me and not say anything. So that's when I knew that something wasn't the same. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. Aww. <laughs> but, I mean, at 26, I had a desk job. Uh, my metabolism had seriously slowed down and that's when uh, no amount of working out although albeit I'll be honest I did not work out very often then and I do not work out very often I, I don't work out now I should and I know I should but instead I decide to try these fad diets occasionally before I just fall off the wagon because because that's not the American convenient. way it is the American mm -hmm. way we don't want to work hard we want quick fixes so what what quick fix have you tried? What are, you say fads? So which fads have you gotten on the bandwagon with? So in high school, I tried this like two week diet that my mom, my sister, and I found on the internet. I bet it was safe for sure. It was for sure, safe. <laughs> You'd eat like a uh, an entire head of iceberg lettuce a day. Um, you would have a piece of toast and black coffee. I think all in all, we were consuming maybe like 500 calories a day. That is psychotic. low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you lose a lot of weight real quick. Yeah, no, sh <laughs> no shit. To quote our sound guy, he just said no shit. And I'm going to second that because yeah. like you're literally starving yourself. Yeah. Your body is shutting down. It's getting ready to send you to Sky Daddy. So... Well, I guess it wouldn't surprise you then to know that I did not last very long on that. I think three days was my was where I kind of tapped out. My mom has tried it on occasion, but she'll just do it for maybe a week or she'll start it. And then by the end of the day, she'll have a piece of cake for dinner. <laughs> That's, That's on just, plan, I'm sure. It is, I'm sure yeah. of it. <laughs> but um, ones that have been not too terrible, I've done Whole30. Um, I whoa, think whoa, 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 we're not just going to let you list them off. I'm no, going to no, ask no, no, questions. No, no. I, I thought, know, I know, but I'm right. going to say, like, every other woman of a certain age in America, I've done Whole30. I know you have as well. Yes, I have. Thank you for calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what did you think of Whole30? Because I have my opinions, but I don't know if ours match. Uh, they probably don't, because I think yours come from a more scientific place, and mine come from a... Uh, a different place? <laughs> maybe they do, maybe, maybe they, they don't. don't. But what's your opinion so, on it? <laughs> I... I don't hate it. I I thought it was pretty standard. I mean, so I'm, um, I grew up in a very, uh, my, my parents are Persian, so we eat a lot of Mediterranean style foods, and one staple in Persian diets is rice, but I've always kind of watched my rice intake, because I always kind of blame rice for my weight and my stomach pouch, so, which I always had, like, <laughs> as a baby, like, I always had the stomach pouch, um, so it was, if I can cut that out, the hardest part for me for Whole30 was yogurt. Because I mm. always have, uh, like, whole yogurt, plain yogurt, no no sugar or anything like that, in my fridge because I my body just needs those probiotics. So that, to me, is the hardest part of Whole30. Everything else is pretty standard. 
I mean, I'm going to echo that. Just I, what I liked about Whole30 is that it really impressed the like fresh foods, cooking a lot of fresh foods. So I liked that. But where Whole30 lost me was the, uh, well, I'm going to be really honest, the no alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) That was really inconvenient. I, I literally didn't go to a baseball game with my mom because we came to the conclusion that we couldn't sit in a stadium for three hours without holding a beer. So (laughs) we literally gave the tickets away to somebody else. So thank you, Whole30. Um, And honestly, also Whole30 is so ingredient heavy. Every recipe Mm -hmm. is like 15 different things. And 14 of those things you don't have in your house, like ghee. I didn't even know what ghee was (laughs) until Whole30. But now you know. Now I know. I don't know about you, but I use it in cooking now. Yeah, it is pretty good, but it's just these like super healthy alternatives or whatever. It gets expensive Mm -hmm. and being a, you know, poor college student, it was just not the most viable option for me personally, but I did like it. I just think that unless someone was cooking these whole 30 meals for me, I'm just not, (laughs) I can't do it, you know? I I don't have we did Nutrisystem we did yeah let me go back to Whole Thirty Ooh, real okay quick, hold though. on put a pin in that yeah really quickly um you said that everything kind of takes a while like the sauces and everything literally like, yes it everything. takes forever however because it became such a huge like fad I don't know if you've ever been shopping at like Sprouts or something they have Whole Thirty like ketchups now no or, way like, condiments yeah. That you can actually buy like, pre done yeah so oh. that they like fall under the umbrella of safe to eat. Oh, that's sick because the Whole30 ketchup is the tits, people. I don't know. I'm sure there's tomato ketchup loyalists out there, but it's kind of too sweet for my particular liking. Mm -hmm. But Whole30 ketchup is like vinegary, and I'm a Mm -hmm. vinegar person. Yeah, me too. They have that stuff. Oh, man. (laughs) So, I mean, it makes it easier. Still takes a lot of effort on your part, but because it became such a huge fad, I think a lot of companies have moved towards using just good ingredients all right at least i hope they're good ingredients well, in their condiments <laughs> yeah we don't know i yeah, mean we, I, we hope and i'm actually yeah. i'm gonna try this and i'm gonna let you know if i like yeah, it. yeah yeah so we yeah. did nutrisystem we did do nutrisystem which is the complete opposite of whole 30 because <laughs> nothing in that box is fresh no <laughs> no and you if anybody's not familiar with Nutrisystem, you order food. We did the one where you pick basically a month's worth of meals. They get shipped to you. There's pantry items and there's frozen items. And then you supplement in um, different produce things that you mm-hmm. need, fruits, vegetables as needed. I think they kind of discourage too much fruit. But what did you think of it, Sapita? So the, I guess with Nutrisystem, the first week, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're supposed to kind of stick to whatever comes in the box, right? Mm-hmm. You don't add anything. I was so weak <laughs> during that week. I mean, just the act of walking across campus, because I used to work at a university, um, was wind, like I would be winded walking. Then come the second week, I think I had a like a, a very spiritual experience when I took a bite at a fruit and I was able <laughs> to have a piece of string cheese because I had been so, I guess I hadn't had any of that. And so just the fact that I was able to bite into something sweet that wasn't a Nutrisystem like chocolate cake mm-hmm. was just, it, it really did help. After that, it was a little bit easier and I did lose weight, mm-hmm. um, but the weight came back after I, stopped so uh, as most fads Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, for me, I remember when I did it in the box, very clearly, like in big letters on their lovely wax paper, it says, don't exercise your first week because (laughs) you're eating probably Mm -hmm. the most minimal shit. We're giving like you are bare minimum right now. Mm -hmm. And I thought, nah, (laughs) I can do that. I'm I know better. Well, it's because you exercise daily, right? Or almost yeah. daily. Yeah, yeah, but I, I didn't I don't even know if that was it. I just thought I I know my body. I can handle it. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> I went to the cycle class. Oh no. Right? And and I was like struggling. I an apostrophe. Like it was bad. And the people around me are crushing. And I could not figure out why I felt like I was gonna pass away. You know, like <laughs> things are going blurry and I'm like sweating profusely. My mouth is dry. I'm like, why is this so hard? And it, the whole low calorie thing didn't mm-hmm. occur to me right away. And did I stop? No, nope. I worked out that entire week <laughs> I, fighting death and I did it and that was dumb. I have no idea how you did it because again, me, me I neither. got winded <laughs> walking to the street for my house. Yeah, and I did read on there that they do that because they want you, you fight through the weakness, and then it's like you look at yourself, you weigh yourself on the scale, you're like, oh, shit, I lost seven pounds, five Mm -hmm. pounds, whatever. That's cool. It's motivating to get you to keep going, and it's also like, a well, that was hard, and I get more food from here on out, so if I can handle this week one hell week, if you want to call it that, then I can handle everything here on after, and that proved to be kind of true for me. Um, kind of like you, the weight came off. I think I lost a tad over 20 pounds on it. Wow. Yeah, I know. I got my purple <laughs> bear. You, you, every 10 pounds you lose, you can choose a, a band for your water bottle or a bear. And I chose a little squishy bear because wow. what the fuck am I going to put? I lost 20 pounds on my water bottle. <laughs> yeah, when you for, take it to the gym for. <laughs> show everybody how cool I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> so at least the little shame bear, he sits on my desk at work and it's just for me and him to know about, you know? <laughs> and the weight, not all of it came back. Some of it did, but that's because I stopped eating, you know, Nutrisystem pizzas and I started eating real pizzas and <laughs> turns out those have more calories than than Nutrisystem pizza does. But that's okay. It's it's fine. I'm not upset about it. It's okay. No. And you know what? I think Nutrisystem tricks you during that one week to where afterwards you're like, oh yeah, I'm craving this Nutrisystem pizza. The pizza is actually good, or you know, X Y Z is actually pretty damn good. If you have it now, because I still have a couple Nutrisystems in my freezer. Yeah. Um, not good. It's not great. Um, I, I don't know how they got me thinking that, oh yeah, the chicken, the chicken, bacon, chicken, ranch pizza. Oh, the stuffed chicken was this, good. Have you had it recently? No. <laughs> <laughs> I ate that shit like every day. It was either that or chicken, bacon, ranch yep. pizza. So if I see another one in my lifetime, it'll probably be too soon. I have one in the freezer if you want to try it. <laughs> Maybe we'll have that as a, uh, a yeah. tapas. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so i i those are the only two that i know that you've done apart from this weird iceberg lettuce thing that your mom did with you but have you done any other ones of like repute or Um, ill repute i did um is it paleo is that oh you did was that is that the one where it's like the one where you eat stuff that only cavemen would have been able to find i did that for like two days that doesn't really count okay Um, (laughs) the low carb one atkins atkins I did Atkins for like a week because my cousin said, oh, yeah, you get to eat bacon and cheese and you lose weight. And I was like, sign me up. Like, this is fantastic. But then she's like, oh, no, but you can't eat lettuce. And I was like, 
What the you shit can't? is this? No, because lettuce has carbs, apparently. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, you would have never thought that iceberg lettuce has carbs, but... I have thoughts about that, but that's, we'll get there. Because you can only have, I think, and don't don't come after me, but I think it's about 10 grams of carbs a day, which is very, very little. That's very low. Yeah, I'm going to double check that, actually. So you, you, okay. you go ahead with so, uh, what diets have you done? So actually kind of in that same vein, I did keto. I've never done Atkins, but... Mm. Um, so I was in a production of Little Shop of Horrors and two of my friends that were in the production, um, we all wanted to try to lose weight to look better in our outfits. So we, we tried keto and I thought, holy fuck, I can have a taco, but the shell is made out of cheese. Are you shitting me? This is the <laughs> best day ever. Yeah. And so you go through this, literally, it's like you go through carb withdrawals. It's like being a carb heroin addict is that what they call ketosis yeah yeah you're like putting yourself into it so like for a week you're eating you have i forget what the actual number of net carbs you're allowed to have but it's so low that you basically switch over how your body's processing um you know what the powerhouse is it goes from carbohydrates to fat basically and in that changeover your body's like craving carbohydrates probably because it needs them and i had a mild headache for like a week and i felt kind of sick and I have this really distinct memory of going to Disneyland and everybody else was eating like pretzels and ice cream and shit. And I got a pickle, which I've got no beef on pickles, but mm -hmm. I didn't feel good already. And I'm just eating this pickle when I, uh, it's like your blood sugar drop. Probably. Maybe. I don't know what was going on, but I just felt slighted that I couldn't choose anything other than the pickle. And it got to a point you pee on these little strips occasionally to make sure you're still in ketosis. Your breath starts to smell like this weird fruity smell. Yeah. You're like, or if you ever smell diet soda, the like aspartame oh, smell. No. It, yeah. It's weird. Anybody who's ever done it and if that you've had the same thing happen, I'm pretty sure it's very common, but there's this like weird fermented fruit smell that your breath starts to smell like. And, um, I started to get carb fear. Like I would mm -hmm. pick up any, like, pickle or like lettuce I'm like oh my god you know what is can I have this can I have it? oh I'm not gonna eat that I can't have that and like you know we went to go see some friends play on a rooftop bar and I had I think soda water and lime and that was it and then a friend kept trying to get me to eat nachos and I was like on the verge of panicking I was like I can't oh have god. it I can't have the one chip don't stop making me I was like upset I was about ready to go full-blown hulk so Keto was a keto no for me because it turned me into a monster with fruit breath and I don't ever want to go down that hole again. So carbs until I die. I love them forever. I have a bread pillow for God's sake. Also, I think you and I have, we the, have same. the same one yeah. and it wasn't planned. No, it was not. Yeah. It's just a reassurance that we're in good company. Our love of baguettes transcends all diets. It does. It does. And I was wrong about 10 grams, although I do swear that the person that introduced me to Adkins said 10 grams, which is why I was so scared because a cup of uh, like romaine lettuce is a gram of carbs. So like... You know, if you only allotted 10 grams a day. But like, is that, is it one gram of net carbs? Because fiber and carbs, like if the more fiber is in something, the less net carbs there is, if that makes sense. Because No, it does not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because, I, and I think this, this goes to the next segment of, I think right now everyone is saying, no, just, you know, eat whatever you can, like whatever you want, but in moderation, eat good foods, just watch your macros and micros. And I have no idea what the hell those are 
when everyone whenever anyone says like macro i think polo like i have (laughs) (laughs) um that's not quite the same thing but you know that's okay (laughs) so it's a game for me because people are like oh no just calculate it and i'm like you want me to do math i i know that there's apps like um my fitness pal and and others uh that can kind of track all that for you I'm going to be honest, if I want a snack on a piece of string cheese, I might not remember to log it in. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is something called intuitive eating where you just kind of eat what you think is right. But I think unless you... <laughs> and that's a slippery slope, yeah, isn't it? it is. I think, like, well, this friggin' pizza and wings and beer sure feels right to me. It does. <laughs> I think unless you're given the right framework for things, that you just... You don't know, right? So... We'll do a little education sesh. You're asking about macros and micros. Macros are the carbs, the fats, and the proteins. Those are like your three main um, sources of energy or the three main things that are present in food. And then your micronutrients are like, you know, the minerals, the vitamins and the minerals that are in things like zinc and et cetera, et cetera. And like with macronutrients, balance, if you're going to eat a balanced meal, think of like, I think one of the best ways I like to describe it is like an egg uh, with avocado on toast that's a balanced breakfast because you have your carbo- carbohydrate and like a nice piece of wheat toast or something or squaw bread and then you have your healthy fat because fats aren't bad it's just cake is bad avocados aren't bad and you have on top of that you have your egg that's protein and you know if the ratios are correct so if you're not eating 18 pieces of bread <laughs> which you know what no judgment here been there done that <laughs> if you're doing that then that's balance and you should strive to have balance in each meal and whether you choose to do three or six that's up to you because the problem with nutrition is and i'm not i'm no no nutritionist i'm not anything i say is not like this is not sound advice it's just things i've learned in school and and otherwise but nutrition and diets and stuff is so complicated because mm-hmm. like you and i we both have done so many of these diets the same and like what we got out of it was probably different right like yeah and it's it's a matter of like it's like are you overweight how overweight are you um are you currently training how often do you train what stage in your training are you are you in like a deperiodization phase are you about to go perform so when i say perform it could be something like a athletic event or you know a, a body aesthetic show like do you train at all um how close are you to your competition are you sedentary what's your resting metabolic rate what's your you know uh, how do you, which like macronutrient do you process more efficiently? What kind of disease do you have in your family? Are you diabetic? Are you, you know, do you have heart problems? There's like so many different things that affect nutrition that the list is impossible to even go through. There's no questionnaire that would be (laughs) encompassing enough to give someone a really clear picture of what the true optimal nutrition thing is for them. So I think that's why everybody claims to know they have the best solution. Bullshit. They don't have the best solution. And like, (laughs) I looked this up, so I before we get into the principles, I think we should talk about the history of diets. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, because, like, this is not new. The pe- people's no. obsession with dieting and trying to be fatter and skinnier, it's, like, been around for as long as... Mm-hmm. I don't think cavemen dieted. I really don't think they were concerned about it, but... <laughs> no, but I think ever since we've been able to grow our own food in a very productive way, or food has been easily e- easier to obtain... Mm-hmm. You know, we've overindulged. It's because it's what, it's, I think it's what humans do. We just, we like, honestly, we're indulgent people. And I think I also the type of food that you're eating 
impacts that as well. Because every time I travel, I have a lot of family in England. And every time I travel to England, A, the food tastes different. Like the bread does not taste as sweet. So when I come back here and I, you know, have a piece of bread, it actually tastes sweet to me. But I'll go there and I will overeat because my family, we love to cook. And if my weight doesn't stay the same, I actually end up losing weight out there. And I'm not, I mean, I'm on vacation, right? So I'm not watching what I eat. I'm having bread. I'm having butter. I'm having all of this stuff. Red meat. You name it. Gravy. But I'm losing weight. And I think it comes down to also the quality of food that you have available to you. Because out here, a slice of bread might be loaded in sugar compared to a piece of bread out there where it's not. So now I have to work twice as hard to either diet or exercise that piece of bread off than someone else would have to. That's true. And I guess it's it's kind of a horrible cycle, right? Because we eat what we're able to access or mm-hmm. whatever. And then it's like the food companies and the diet companies are in cahoots, which they might they be. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's why I think it's so prevalent in especially American culture. The history mm-hmm. of dieting in American culture alone. But Well, but bruh. Let me blow your mind for a second. It's not just America. It's like the world. Everybody's obsessed with restricting themselves and making themselves miserable. Like, I, I'm telling you, I looked up a couple of really psychotic diets, and we need to talk about them yes, because yes. they're odd. Okay, so in 1727, there's this guy, Thomas Short, and he figured out that people that lived near swamps were fatter than people who didn't live near swamps. So he wrote a paper... <laughs> called the causes and effects of corpulence and his recommendation his very well thought out recommendation was that overweight people should pack it up and move to an arid climate because that swamp air and swamp life was making you fat huh yeah so maybe i need to like go look at my backyard to see if there's like some <laughs> stagnant water and be like aha that's, that's why, why. <laughs> and, wait where was he located um full where? disclosure i have no fucking clue so <laughs> okay. i'm gonna assume america because like at risk of sounding dumb are there like swamps in europe <laughs> I, I think so. I think there's like the equivalent. Yeah, what is that? I just picture nothing but cobblestone streets in Europe. <laughs> um, I don't know where he's from. So if anybody knows or if you want to look it up, Sapita, because yeah. I'm not going to look it up. There are swamps in England. Um, the Polistovo-Lavatskia swamp system is the biggest swamp in the whole Europe, which is located just 20 kilometers away from the border. EU, EU countries between what was his name? Uh, Thomas, Short. Thomas Short. Thomas Short. Well, I'm looking up the the physician. Okay, so while you look up Thomas Short and his England, he's from England. Okay, he's so from England. so swampy English people were fatter than not swampy English people, and <laughs> he told all the swampy people to leave. So who knew? Um, I, I have a feeling that it didn't work because the diet fads, they continued and they changed. And in the 1800s, this one's actually kind of interesting. Cause I think this is actually, I've heard of this diet being implemented. Like I remember being a kid and hearing about it. It's called Fletcherism. 
Hmm. This guy, um, his name's Horace Fletcher, and he's from a, a guy in the 1800s. I think he's American, but I could be wrong on that. He promoted a diet that required chewing a mouthful of food at least 32 times. Yes, I have mm-hmm. heard of this. And then you, it had to be fully liquefied before you swallowed it. And the intention was that that liquid would slip down easier and you'd feel fuller faster. And I think that it was easier to digest. He claims to have lost 40 pounds. So maybe okay. there's truth to that. I don't know. Is that why they tell, I mean, of course they tell you to chew your food so you don't choke. But do you think that's where the, you know, chew your food well? Because it'll help digest it better. Maybe. From? I think just in maybe because I mean he is right if you eat slower you do get full faster mm-hmm. well it's because you get exhausted it's because your stomach's registering how much is in there yeah but I'm also gonna get lazy if I have to bite <laughs> what if I, have to, if I have to chew every piece of food 30 times my attention span is not that long I'm going to get tired and I'm just gonna say fuck it and I'm so just gonna- is that a lazy thing or is that a patience thing is that like a I don't want to wait or maybe it's both because I, I would rather not eat than go through that for I agree I think I average like three chews yeah. per bite <laughs> yeah and it doesn't matter how big like I take v- horrifically big bites of things and I've I've straight up swallowed something been like well I didn't chew that enough and it's like slowly <laughs> making its way down you know as a kid I would regularly almost choke <laughs> on steak because I just wouldn't chew it enough and right. then to go in your <laughs> at the dinner table (laughs) so then you just chew another piece of steak to wash it down yeah exactly (laughs) well that so what we're talking about is completely the victorians would be really upset with us they would be because it was super trendy in the second half of the 19th century for middle class and aristocrats to be very frail like to appear very frail it was a sign of femininity and purity And they would just starve themselves to live up oh to that God. that beautiful feminine notion of frailty. So, so they came up with heroin chic before we did. Yeah, <laughs> but it just no heroin. They just never ate anything. Well, how do you know? Well, I guess I don't. But they probably did that laudanum stuff, right? Because that was super popular at the time. That like crazy strong opiate. So they're oh, probably yeah, all just yeah. high, laying around, not eating anything. But I think if you're gonna get high, wouldn't you want to eat something? Not, not everything apparently some things just suppress your appetite no okay well you know i thank god there's a lot of reasons i'm glad i was not a victorian woman and that's that's definitely one of them well also imagine eating in corsets this is true i just wouldn't wear them this is why i think like yeah you'd be one of those women then one of those what does that i want i would be like the ones that wear pants and i know (laughs) freaking harlot man wearing pants pants we're getting too far off topic we before are. we veer in the 30s <laughs> that was not a smooth transition but that's all right you could melt your fat off uh, allegedly Sh- so shut up well what? it's you know this i feel like the 30s the 20s and 30s like these early old ads everybody was peddling snake oil and this one <laughs> is called fat oh no fat dash o dash no fat oh no oh no <laughs> yeah <laughs> you could just scrub it away with this special soap yeah, wow. and you just get in your shower, get fat oh no, scrub it on your chubby bits, and then all of a sudden you come out a little bit thinner. I don't know how people didn't catch on, but it sold pretty good. Wouldn't they put you in those sweat boxes too? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. But that was like the was that the thirties? Was that the fifties? I don't know. I don't remember when it was, but it must have been around that same time period. Because was it in Casper? Mm, he, they turn up the the, man, heat. the spa. Yeah. yeah, and then he comes out all skinny. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was like... Was that Casper? Yeah, that was Casper. Okay. I'm just trying to think. That doesn't occur in like the 50s, though. It's like a modern movie. It's a modern movie, but those machines, I think, were pretty were popular old. in the yeah, old days. Yeah. I, think, I think you're right. And I, I think people doing the sweat thing, trying to lose water weight, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, I think wrestlers and like fighters do that. Yeah. I'm sure models do it. Um, aesthetic people do it. They'll dehydrate themselves before competition. So, oh, so all, their all your shit shows mm-hmm. better. Yeah. Because being hydrated is not good for aesthetics. You know, if you want to be hot, don't drink water. Dehydration. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're really looking to, you know, lose extra weight, there's the tapeworm diet. And this is legit. Like, I always kind of thought this was like something I'd heard in a movie that someone made up, but it's real. This is like some alien mm-hmm. shit, dude. In the 50s, people learned that tapeworms were parasitic and they would live in your intestines and consume nutrients. So people... <laughs> purposefully ingested these little cysts which are baby tapeworms by the way you that's your little nugget of knowledge for the day and they could eat and whatever they wanted and not gain a pound spoiler alert it's because the fucking tapeworm was eating all of it these things got up to 25 feet long inside of you and they caused like seizures and dementia meningitis all these problems like i could not live my life knowing that i mean i might have a worm in here somewhere i don't know <laughs> i was told once that sushi has worms in it so yeah it's a couple years ago uh salmon um there was an outbreak of tapeworms and salmon like sushi grade salmon and i'm not okay i would never do this because the thought of having a 25 foot worm inside of me is absolutely terrifying however when someone said that, I looked at my friend and his wife was standing right next to him and my husband was standing next to me and I went, you guys want some sushi? And oh both his wife and my husband were like, shut up. And he, because he looked at me and he went, yeah, let's do it. So you guys were going to go eat tapeworms on purpose. Almost. Almost. Almost on purpose. Almost. There, there was that ten- temptation there, but. Well, yeah, it. I know I haven't gotten a worm from sushi yet because I've continued to gain and lose weight. So that's how you know you don't have a worm. Yeah, right. So it's a blessing. So that and pound a curse. I gain. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, in the '60s, actually, um, a um, an egg and wine diet was created by someone by the name of Helen Gurley. Um, she had a book called "Sex and the Single Girl: The Unmarried Woman's Guide to Men," and okay. it came out in 1962. <laughs> But uh, it was published in Vogue magazine in 1977. So this diet advocated for the consumption of three to five eggs every day, plus an entire 24-ounce bottle of wine. Yeah. So for breakfast, you'd have one egg and a glass of wine. And then for lunch, you'd have two eggs and another glass of wine. And then dinner would be a steak and the rest of the bottle of wine. And it was supposed to help you, like, Lose weight. This diet was revived in 2018. No way. On social platforms, yeah. And it became a meme and everything. And then medical experts had to actually go on the record and warn people that this diet was not healthy at all. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> I guess some people were like, shit, if I can drink a bottle of wine and I can have protein, I'll be fine. They, they weren't fine, were they? I don't know. Oh, don't. That's probably... Which is probably never heard from them again. They're probably... I mean, but like you have your protein and you have, you know... Yeah, but an your, egg your... has like approximately 70 to 80 calories in it. And how many eggs are you eating? Um, I guess between three and five. 
Okay. And so, then a piece of steak and then a bottle of wine. So you're eating like almost 400 to 500 calories worth of eggs and a piece of steak and wine. And that's it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's going to be less than your recommended daily value. But and only slightly. Only slightly. <laughs> 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 Part of me wants to try this for science, but another part of me is like, don't do it. The science is already there. It's not good. <laughs> well, we can try it. We'll be we'll both pick a, pick a really bad diet and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Who loses more weight? And I think I'm going to do the Sleeping Beauty diet. And it's literally just where you can't eat when you're sleeping and you just take a sedative and you just sleep through it. Isn't I, that depression? Maybe, but this was like legitimate thing in the 60s. Like people took sedatives because they're like, I'm on a diet. I'm just going to sleep because I, really? I'll i eat if I, yeah, this was real. Yep. And then in the 70s, if if sleeping's not your thing, this guy, Roger Lynn, he came up with, he's an MD, by the way. This isn't some like weird guy with a top hat and a stagecoach peddling things. This was an actual doctor. He came up with this miracle liquid called Prolin. And Prolin had like ground animal horns and hooves and tendons, like any part of the animal other than what was going to like the butchers and their grocery stores got ground up into this liquid and it was treated with some artificial flavoring and people drank it and they lost weight. But like people also died (laughs) because they were only allowed to live off of this like byproduct liquid. That's it. That that was his diet. He said, all you need is the miracle liquid. So people died. (laughs) So I'm sure he probably lost his license. And so, okay, you were talking about your iceberg thing. Yeah. So this is, okay, this next diet is a diet I've actually heard of and sort of halfway tried. And when I say tried it, I didn't follow it fully, but this was like super popular in the 80s. And I don't know if it made a resurgence or if someone just found it and suggested it, but it's like you eat cabbage soup two to three times a day and Mm -hmm. you just kind of add in fruits and vegetables and like beef. But other than, so nothing else, no like real sugars, no like, you know, breads, no things like that. And it works, but you are not satisfied because cabbage is like for two days or two weeks. It's like a seven day thing. They don't recommend it for longer than that, probably because it's not good for you. If anything's recommended only for that shorter amount of time, it's probably not good for you. Probably. I mean... You just reminded me of a, I guess it's a diet, but not really. It's like a cleanse. Like, you remember how that lemonade cleanse was, like, Mm -hmm. super popular? I could never do that because the cayenne pepper was just too much on my stomach. But pressed juicery has these, like, cleanses. And so I do the three-day cleanse. And actually, I felt pretty good afterwards. I liked it. So you felt good, but did you feel, like, super hungry? No, because you're drinking so much liquid that it actually fills up your stomach. So you you I was not hungry at all actually. I felt a little bit drained, but you know, that that's kind of to be expected, but yeah, I I like that. Okay. To each his own, I guess. I mean, yeah, seriously, I'm I'm not opposed to juice. I just don't think I have I like chewing. I think I just oh. have a thing about like like nomming down oral fixation. I got you. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Chewing. <laughs> I like I was going to say I like having things in my mouth, but that just you know, no. <laughs> but I do like gum. I'm always chewing gum. I like it. I don't know. There's just my mouth's always got to be moving. If I'm not talking, something better be in there. <laughs> <laughs> or like 
ice, right? Do you, do you like go to some places that have the good ice? You know, what I mean, I- the good ice, but I don't chew on ice. I don't fucking chew. I'm not. No, that's bad for your it? teeth, man. And <sighs> I know, but you know, a lot of Persians to do that chewing stuff, they'll eat a lot of seeds like mm. sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds mm-hmm. or something. And it actually breaks their teeth over time. Oh, so if you, a lot of them have like either veneers or like, I don't know if you can see my teeth. I have like little dents. Is that from In chewing sunflower seeds? I think so. Because for a while, I would just kind of chew it a lot, just as something to do. Mm-hmm. And I think it started to mess up my teeth because I don't do it anymore. Mm. So have you picked up a new oral fixation habit or are you just cold turkey it? I just cold turkey it at this point. It was hard. I think I was moving on to ice for a little bit. Mm. But so why is it everything that you enjoy is not good for you? It's not I fair. No, because <laughs> in, in college I would eat like popcorn and wine for dinner before. Uh, what, what's that um, show? Um, Olivia Poe, I think. Um, I have no clue. Oh, before that show came out, I was all about the popcorn and wine. Um, and then occasionally, and I know that you got really mad when you found out, I'd have a pint of ice cream for dinner or half a pint. I could never finish the entire thing. Yeah, it's not like I'm not mad at you, but it seemed like you were doing it a lot more than you should. Yeah, I mean, I totally was because like, I, didn't, I didn't cook, so. It's the struggle. I mean, it's the student struggle, or it at is. least that's what I'm going to attribute it to and not that you were just, like, lazy. Piece of shit. <laughs> no, I was, but I was. A you piece. were saying when I was, maybe, I was, like, testing the waters. I had my pinky, and I'm like, should I call her a piece of shit? Or should no, I? I was definitely a piece of shit. <laughs> But you know what? It was strawberry ice cream. So there was some fruit in there. Okay. <laughs> and so I think what we can take away from this is that diets fucking suck. They do. They're, they're dumb. Like I, out of all of these, I don't look at a single one and go, hmm, you know what? That's doable. The only one was Whole30. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's too, it's too much. It's, I'm not going to cook that much all day, every day. I, I ain't got time for that. No. And I can't afford someone to do that for me. So I love you, Whole30, and I still make your Mexican tuna boats all the time, (laughs) but I can't follow you all the time. And so I think what I've kind of resorted to is like, it's like intuitive eating, but just following basic principles. So like, I just want to share some principles. So in, when I was in school, um, we covered nutrition a little bit. I'm not, I want to preface this. This is where we do the like disclaimer. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know shit about what you and yours should be eating that's not on me (laughs) this is just some good shit that I learned that I feel like is good for just general knowledge you know um and there were some principles that are just good for for kind of framing how you should eat on a day-to-day basis so I mentioned that balanced diet and of course um, we talked about macros so like counting the nutrients and not the calories because the reality is, is it's almost impossible to actually count calories. Cause like, let's say you eat a carrot and like, let's say a carrot just for argument's sake has like five calories mm-hmm. in it. It takes more calories to, to process the carrot because of all the fiber that's in it. So it's actually probably negative calories for that carrot. But what about sugars? Do sugars count or? Well, I mean, sure they do. I mean, like if you just ate a tablespoon of sugar. No, no, no. Carrots have sugar. At least that's what I've been told. Yes, I guess it does. But I'm, we're just talking about like a caloric figure. Oh, okay. So the sugar content, so maybe don't eat a whole bag of carrots if there's that much sugar in them or like don't drink a whole gallon of milk because milk has a bunch of sugar in it. Who knew? That sucks. Huh. Um, but 
Uh, so it's good to make sure. So like things like steak, there's like a high satiety effect in steak. And what that means is you'll eat it. It takes a long time for you to process it. So you're going to feel full longer than, so like, let's say the steak's 300 calories and the bag of Doritos is 300 calories. The steak's going to be the better choice because they both have 300 calories. Sure. But you're going to feel full longer eating that steak than you would the the chips because the chips are going to process super fast and you're going to feel there's a hormone that's released. You're going to feel hungry again in a short amount of time later. So that's why those apps are nice. Don't focus on the number. Like I like my fitness pal because it does count your macros for you. So, you know, Oh, I need this more many grams of protein today. And I don't focus so much on the, the number of, of calories, you know, or I try not to anyway. And I always have tried to follow the principle that fresh is best. Mm -hmm. So if it expires, it's better for you than, and that seems like so intuitive, but it's kind of not at the same time, right? You're like, Oh, I'll just get the, the packaged, like the frozen pizza or the frozen healthy dinner because it's easier. Like if you're going to do that, you might as well just go get some like bacon and make yourself a BLT or something. Because the, the thing that you know, there's preservative and preservatives and these other things in there that aren't good for you compared to stuff that actually perishes because there isn't that kind of stuff in there. Hmm. And my favorite thing is, okay. So have you ever asked yourself, is this bad for me? No, I just eat it. And then I, I, I regret <laughs> okay, it. Okay. So you're the fucking outlier, <laughs> but I've asked myself like, is this that bad for me? Is this bad? Can I have this? And asking yourself that it's like, well, bad compared to what, you know, if you say, is this good for me? It's so much easier to answer that question. Like you pick Hmm. up this grilled cheese and you say, is this bad for me? I don't know. What are you going to do if you don't eat that? Well, I'm probably not going to eat. Well, then maybe you you say, is this good for me? the no it's not it's not good for you put it down you know if you frame it from a more positive perspective it's so much easier to answer that is this good for me question and that'll help guide you in your choices because I feel like the bad is it's just so muddy and gray and clouded and I think the last one I kind of want to leave it on is the all or nothing principle. I think everybody's guilty of this, right? You start this new diet. It's Monday and you're like, fuck yeah, I'm on Nutrisystem. I'm on Atkins. I'm on South Beach. And today's the day that I stop being fat. And four days later, you're like tits deep in sour cream and tacos. And you're like, how did I get here? Fuck it. I made this mistake. I'm never going to get there. And you quit. I've done that before. Like I've slipped up and been like, mm-hmm. "Well, screw it. Forget it. What's the point?" And yeah, now you, that I've already messed up. Yeah, I'm but just like keep it. you can't do that because life happens. People get married, there's barbecues, there's baby showers, there's part there's parties, hangouts, kickbacks, whatever. There's all this stuff and are you about to like come and not eat the piece of pizza or drink that beer or have that taco? Probably not. You're going to slip up at some point in your life. So whatever you have the thing you fuck up you just be like all right i messed up and then the next like moment you just get back on the horse this guy okay this i, I changed my mind this is what i'm leaving you with because this is good shit real good there's a guy that i knew he was a navy seal okay so these people don't fuck around no. they're they know their shit they know a thing or two about motivation and he was talking about how do you stay motivated on a diet plan And he talked about when he was in training to be a SEAL and how hard it was and how many people quit. 
And it's, he noticed that people were talking about, I got to get to this goal, right? I got to make it to the end of training. I got to make it to this and this and this. His thing that he told himself every single day was, I have to make it to the next meal. I have to make it. So he said, all I got to do is just make it to lunch. All I have to do is make it to dinner. Okay, I survived. All I have to do is make it to breakfast. And he set these like really small goals. And he said that directly translates into nutrition. So you say, all I got to do is make it to lunch and then just eat a healthy lunch. And then we'll see what fucking happens for dinner. And then you get to lunch like, all right, I just got to make it to dinner. And then breakfast, we'll see. We'll see. And you set these new little goals for yourself. And it becomes so much more manageable. And I've tried it and it works. And write that shit down, people. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your backpack put it on your mirror I don't know put it wherever put it put it on the bag of cookies (laughs) that you you always reach for (laughs) so that's it's good shit right no no I, I honestly I didn't I think what you're saying is actually really resonating with me because this is the first time I've actually heard anyone kind of describe nutrition or not really diets it's more of just how we perceive food Mm -hmm. um in that way because well yes I don't really most of the time I don't think is this bad for me I think is this cheap is this easy is this Mm -hmm. you know especially right you know I'm on the go all the time with work and everything I'm just tired I don't want to cook something but just taking that moment to reflect and ask is this good for me? Is this giving me what I need? Because a lot of times, you know, I can get lazy and cook something. But then, as I said, I have to take an antacid before I go to bed because (laughs) otherwise I'm going to be tossing and turning with some severe acid reflux. So just taking that time to reflect, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm no longer a spring chicken. So I have to take my health and my what I eat and what I consume seriously now. That's true. But if you decide to not be a spring chicken and eat the taco, it's okay. <laughs> it is because mm-hmm. then my next meal, you know, my, mm-hmm. my breakfast can be healthy. Mm-hmm. There's always another meal. Exactly. Except when you have your last one. But we all don't know when that is. So it doesn't matter. Some people matter. do. And some people go ham <laughs> on that last well, one. Well, that's, that's true. But then they, <laughs> I'm not going to say they've earned it, but they, Oof. you know. <laughs> That is a topic for a different time. <laughs> Legally, they earned it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll just cut that right there and just leave that for another day. <laughs> um, I think speaking of things that are good for me, mm. uh, I think we're ready for our charismatic, not hot segment. Ooh, lay it on me. Because lay him on me. Oh yeah. <laughs> so this individual is an absolute legend. He started his career in the early 70s, late 60s, and in 1975, he starred in a cult cinematic masterpiece. Mm. And this role might be one of his most iconic to date. An icon is exactly what this man is, because with his deep, seductive voice, and with his very vast character range, he has me questioning what and who I am into. You know, Mm. am I into a homicidal transvestite? Am I into a murderous butler? Or a psychotic space clown? (laughs) (laughs) Our very own sweet transvestite, Mr. Tim Curry. Oh, yes. Yes. I 
I love this and I love him. And I think a lot of people do. I heard once that you can tell a lot about a person based on where they know Tim Curry from. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like that's true. So if somebody asked you that question, would you say Rocky Horror is where you know him from or where would you? Rocky Horror, I think to me is his most iconic role. Um, And it's definitely where the, I wouldn't say obsession, but the, uh, where it began, I guess. However, the first time I actually knew of uh, Tim Curry was in the Home Alone movies. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first experience with him, which was not, albeit, a sexual one. But that was, like, the first time I had seen him. So when I did end up watching Rocky Horror years later, um, there was, like, this line that, that drew. And I think that says a lot about his range, though, because he can play a role like Dr. Frankenfurter, mm-hmm. but he could also play a terrifying clown in It, or a, he's a concierge in Home Alone, or? Yes, I believe so. Yes, something I can't, I can't remember. remember. He works in Home, Home Alone, Alone 2. 2, yes. The, the hotel. Hotel, the is it manager. hotel manager? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and but like, every one of those roles was very, um, memorable and i know that yours is slightly different and i hadn't seen this movie until you made me watch it recently <laughs> the are you talking about Mupp, uh, muppet treasure island oh no never mind i thought it was clue oh clue so you know him from muppet treasure island well okay so that i mean i knew him let's okay how do i phrase this i had seen him in rocky horror as a younger person because that's one of my mom's favorite movies so i was kind of but i was a young person right mm-hmm. so i didn't find dr frankenfurter sexual remember my sexual awakening was ryan styles from yes, whose line true. is it anyway yeah. so Dif- my different. tastes were different at yeah. the time and <laughs> i i've always been a big muppets fan and i loved that movie so i was really aware very like very very aware of him in um, up at treasure island and then of course clue i think i saw that a few years after my first interaction with um up at treasure island so i was like oh my gosh i know who that you know that's long john silver or whatever <laughs> and then uh watching rocky horror as a an older person so like a high schooler or a young adult that's when like the the frankenfurter <laughs> sexual awakening happened because you're like whoa this like, guy like what's happening to what me? are you and what's happening to me because yeah, yeah you're this like ambiguous like they says is this transsexual trans or from this an alien transvestite from transsexual transylvania mm-hmm. like you're just this alien sexy alien man <laughs> woman person and i i like it i don't know what it is and i like it and maybe that means that i score higher on the kinsey scale or whatever <laughs> um i mean even the fact that he kills meatloaf's character in the movie like it doesn't deter me mm-hmm. it should mm-hmm. it doesn't nope I'm into it and I'm here for it. And, and I'm not even opposed, you know, Pennywise, he's kind of gross. See, but I, I think that's where I draw the line. <laughs> this is where we part ways. <laughs> what about Pennywise? About, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to need to know. What about Pennywise? It's just because I know it's Tim Curry. Okay. So that thought in the back of your head. It's that not like... Pennywise specifically, mm-hmm. although this is also a topic for another day. Did you know that? There's a very seedy underbelly of fan fictions that include Pennywise as like the no, main romantic. Isn't. Yeah. So, we'll, you know what? We'll talk about that someday. Fan fictions that shouldn't exist but do. <laughs> we could probably spend a few hours on that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How about this? Did you know that Tim Curry was the voice of Nigel Thornberry? <laughs> I, what? I was about to say, I was looking up. He's done so much voice. He's, he's done. He's done he, recently. 
Yeah, yeah. He does a lot of what. And the thing is, his voice is just. I think it's the voice. I think that's why maybe you're questioning the whole it character as well because maybe. it's very unique and mm-hmm. it's very just kind of as I said seductive in a way. It but is it's Nigel weird. Thornberry. Yeah. Yep. So. Are you going to have sex with Nigel Thornberry? <laughs> I mean, never say never. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe. What doesn't he? It's like, I'm not even going to attempt his accent. I almost did. But I, my my shred, my tiny little shred of pride that I have stopped me. He, and I, I'm like curious. I'm looking up currently what his voice, like his most recent voiceover works include. Because I knew the Nigel Thornberry one, but I'm not too sure about what other recent ones he's done. So are they? could they be as recent as like a couple of years? Because I know that he had a, shr- a, a, a stroke a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, he did, which is like so sad. He's such is. a treasure. It'll. I. But he was still in the remake of Rocky Horror, which I mean, man. Yeah, that was hot. But he got to, I mean, it's great that he got to do it. I didn't it like is. the remake. You didn't like the new Rocky Horror with Laverne Cox? No. Really? Let the record show that I did not. And if I you were in that cast, I'm sorry. I think she did such a good job. Yeah, well, I didn't like it. <laughs> you know what it is, though? It's different. And I think maybe that's why. Maybe. Because it doesn't have the raw sexual energy that Tim Curry's version had. Because Laverne Cox is absolutely gorgeous and phenomenal in her own right. Well, yeah, but, of course. But, but she did, I think, a different... She, she took a different kind of approach. Yeah. And I've seen other iterations of Rocky Horror, like at community theaters or like the the London, like their national tour or whatever. And I liked those versions. I just didn't huh. like this version. Or um, I know we both have gone to one of the Rocky Horror Midnight uh, showings did. where they show the movie and then they have actors who lip sync the parts. Uh, and it's it's very interactive. I don't What was your... Uh, what were your thoughts? I loved watching the Shadow Cast. Those guys know that movie way too well. Mm-hmm. And it's so impressive and fun to watch. And um, our uh, Dr. Frankenfurter that we saw was a woman. And she did a really good job. Mm-hmm. The whole cast was super awesome. Uh, Riff Raff was also a woman, if I recall yeah, correctly. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> when we went, uh, we both had seen never seen a Shadow Cast before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got claimed as virgins. So if you've never seen it before, they write a giant red V on your forehead and they call the virgins up for a virgin sacrifice. And, um, you're talking, you are the queen sacrifice. I am the queen sacrifice because we had to compete for supremacy <laughs> by doing a sexual spelling bee. And, uh, I, you couldn't outspell me. There was one guy and we were, he and I were yeah, going head to head. You were. Words like fellatio and... I forget what else, orgasm, all kinds of words. And uh, they decided to do a tiebreaker by who could make the best orgasm noise. And I motherfucking won. Well, I mean, you've had a lot of practice. Excuse me. A lot of practice. I have a lot of raw talent is what I have. (laughs) And what was my prize? It was a Kids Bop 37 CD. Which I still own I, it, too. I'm not even going to get into how offensive that is, because I remember <laughs> buying... Uh, Kids Bop came after Now That's What I Call Music, right? Yeah. It was like the... Yeah, I had Now That's What I Call Music, too. So the I fact have one, that... number one. I think I one. No, yeah. I didn't have one. Oh. I, no, they sold out of that one. But <laughs> I had two. 
Um, and then I had, I think, two through fifth, two through seven or eight, and then. And then you stopped. Then I stopped. (laughs) I think I got up to like 14 and then I quit. I think they're on like now 90 something. They might even be in the hundreds. But we're not going to talk about that because I'm trying to end today on a good note. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, to keep up with your two favorite salty little snacks, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Salty Broads. You want to talk shit or do you have an episode idea? Email us at twosaltybroads at gmail.com. Also, send us your favorite charismatic not-hots. You might hear them uh, on this show. If uh, we agree with you. If if we agree with you, yeah. <laughs> if we don't, we'll also let you know. Uh, I'm Sapita. And I'm Lindsay. Thanks for listening. And remember, stay, stay salty. salty.